this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to turn for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Out. The 0-2 What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Heller, uh, coming at you earlier this week than usual. Usually we record on a Wednesday and and bring it to you on a Thursday. But today we're recording on a Tuesday and and you get to listen to us a day early. So, you know, all I can say is you're welcome, I guess. Um, But anyways, you know, uh, another week closer to opening day which is uh, pretty exciting, I think, for anyone and everyone who loves baseball, which I think is probably all of us. Uh, and this week, to talk about baseball, um, per usual, I am joined by my co-host, Ty Dobbert. Ty, how are you doing? I'm good. Like you said, we're just another week closer. Only one more episode of this one. This is our last one before our season preview episode which is exciting. We, that's right. We, uh, seems like just yesterday we got to do it because I think it was, um, it was in July when we finally got to do that one last season, but it'll definitely be a fun one. We got, we got the takes on deck. Don't worry. We, we definitely <laughs> have them coming up. Yeah. We, we will, we will have them for you, Yeah. but just one more to get through a lot of important notes. Some, some players are, are showing out in spring training. So we're going to have to talk about that before we can really predict the season. There's still a lot that has to be figured out uh, with the Phillies roster situation. Who's going to make the opening day roster? Who's going to make the 40 man roster? So we're going to, we're going to dive a little bit into that and who's looking, looking good so far. And then next thing, you know, we'll be getting ready for the actual regular season. Yeah. You know, there's something about like when it's this time of year, and it also just feels like baseball weather. Like it's 65 degrees out right now. Is there anything better? Is there anything better than when it when it gets warm the first time? Um, not really. Maybe like maybe like the beginning of playoffs or like in September when it's like a little bit cool, but it's not like freezing yet, like it is maybe like game seven of the World Series. So that's a good feeling. Like it feels like postseason, but getting ready for opening day does yeah. uh, feel very nice. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I would say that the my two favorite days of the year kind of coincide with the two best times of baseball, which is the first day of fall in which you can comfortably wear a hoodie, which like you said, that's October. And then the first day of the year that you can drive with the windows down comfortably. And that's like right now. So let's go. Um, we're a weather podcast and we're a baseball podcast. Um, but you're probably listening for for the baseball talk. So, Ty, why don't we get? Why don't we get into that? Uh, the first thing I probably should talk about is is one Phillies pitcher by the name of Aaron Nola. Nola kind of had been struggling through the spring. He got shelled by the Blue Jays last week. I think we talked about it the last time we recorded. Um, but last night on Monday night, pitched against a, a good Yankees lineup and was just completely dominant. Uh, six innings, just one hit, nine strikeouts. Like that's that's vintage Aaron Nola. Um, he showed out, and, you know, he he's going to be the opening day starter to everyone's surprise. And, um, Ty, so w- what are your thoughts on, on Nola's start last night and uh, what it means moving forward? Yeah, so like you said, last week we talked a lot about Nola 
kind of his importance to the team uh, and how how um, important it is for the Phillies to have him on the current contract that he's on. And last night he kind of proved us right, uh, showing how important he can be and how good he can be. Um, yeah, it was not a great start to spring, but last night he looked oh, pretty close to being uh, ready for the season, if not fully there. It was yeah, a little pretty close. Long... Yeah, Still it was some a... work to be done. He did give up a hit. Like let's. <laughs> well, you know, it was only it was only six innings. It wasn't the full full complete game. Or oh anything. yes, because Aaron Nola is known to pitch complete games. That's right, Ty. You know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, like I like I said, six innings, one hit, nine strikeouts. Looked looked in the innings he pitched really good. Maybe if it wasn't spring training, he could stretch it out a little longer. That is what I meant by that. But uh, he did he did look really really good, and maybe maybe he will be able to uh, kind of take that into the regular season coming up if he can pitch like he did yesterday the the curveball there's a couple of videos that were floating around on twitter like some of the curveballs he throws are just so nasty like it, one of the one of the better pitches in baseball one of the better curves in baseball when it's really working and he does had he that yesterday does he throw it enough uh, I don't I don't know. I don't have the uh exact percentages in front of me, but me either. I feel I feel like you know it's an effective pitch and throwing it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean it would not hurt. It's nasty. It's definitely one of the best in baseball. Um, yeah, he's trying he's trying to work in a, a cutter now, which I don't yeah, I don't think he really used it last night. I think maybe that was a little bit of like an experiment and and he decided just to focus on what works last night yeah. and um, exactly. Yeah, I think one of the things about Nola last year, last season, was he had all a bunch of starts where he was like just completely dominant. I think to an extent, I I I, I know you know in 2018 he was he was really dominant as well, but uh, there were some starts last year. Like there were five different times he gave up three hits or less in you know six plus innings. Like that's not easy to do, and. He did it a lot in a very short season. He did it almost in almost half his starts. He he pulled that off. Um, I I know we've said on this podcast before that we don't see him ever being better than he was in 2018. I don't know about that. I maybe not. May, I mean, maybe I could see it happening. Um, I don't know. It I, at this point after this was more of a coming off of 2019 take that we had yeah uh, maybe well we yeah said it this offseason as well but 2019 was relatively disappointing not that it was a an awful year or anything but if he can look like he did last night uh he threw 84 pitches i think if he can give you that most nights plus an extra inning go you know maybe six and two thirds and still give you he's not going to give up zero runs every single start but if he can if he can look like well, he did he can look like he did at least to uh, Johnny's favorite, the eye test. If he can look like that every single night, or at least most of his starts, uh, that's going to be pretty close to that really outstanding 2018 season. Yeah, I, I think one of the the uh, I'll say the wildest things is is Nola's had all these great starts, but but none of them are better than uh, than Vince Velasquez in 2016, and you know maybe this is the year that Nola out outdoes. Vinny V 
low. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, that that was one of the better pitched games in Philly's history. So yeah. it's definitely and, not well, a, yeah. <laughs> it's not really an insult to say that you don't have a start as good as that one. That's true. That's a that's a good point. So, so Ty, as you said at the top of the pod, there's a roster crunch coming up. Uh, you know, a, a few guys who aren't on the 40 man roster who are likely to make the team. Um, so, you want to speak a little bit about that and and what kind of time the Phillies have to make a decision because it's not that much time. No, it really isn't. Like we kind of talked about last week on last pod, the Phillies uh, probably have more useful players than they do 40-man roster spots at this point. Um, some relievers specifically, uh, Hector Rundone, Tony Watson, and Brandon Kinsler, who are all notable names on uh, minor league deals. And they're pitching fairly decently. Watson had one notable outing that he didn't look good. Same with Kinsler. Wasn't it the same game? Didn't they both get rocked in the same game? Yeah, yeah, they they did. Uh, but Watson, I think, was a, a gave up a few more runs than Kinsler did in that one. But they all have a decent shot of making the team, or it looked like that coming in. But the Phillies basically have until tomorrow, Wednesday, to decide if they are going to make the team because uh, – Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philly wrote about this uh, with with those those three guys. They have an opt out in their minor league deal coming up on Wednesday tomorrow. Uh, you're probably listening to this on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, so maybe the decision was even made by the time you're listening. But they're going to have to if they don't add guys like Kinsler or Watson. Rendon to the 40-man roster on Wednesday, they're going to give them a decent idea if they will actually be end up making it. So on Thursday, once these opt-outs are up, we're gonna have we're we're gonna basically know who is probably going to be making it. These guys all look fairly decent. I'd say Rendon probably has the least likely chance of the three to make the roster, but if he did, I wouldn't be absolutely shocked, and I wouldn't be shocked if he opted out and then was on somebody's major league bullpen to start the season. So they're gonna they're gonna be able to have a better idea of what their opening day roster will look like, and they're gonna have those decisions coming up. So it'll be interesting to see. Kinsler is kind of some of the some of the quotes he's given. Uh, there's a story from. Matt Gelb of The Athletic that came out earlier in spring training, kind of um, Kinsler talking about the attitude and mindset of the bullpen a little bit. It feels like he's probably close to a lock to to make the team, I would say. But we're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to figure it out, and we're going to see over the next day or two. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that Kinsler and Watson probably end up making it, if especially if – Alvarado ends up being the closer because then they're probably going to want two other lefties in Romero and Watson to be in that bullpen. If Alvarado's just going to be a regular, regularly used lefty at the start of the year, maybe Watson isn't on the team just to save a roster spot. But I think they, those two guys especially have a good chance. Would you kind of agree there? 
Yeah, I would. I, I don't have much to add. Like you said, we've, we've talked about it before, and, and um, those two guys have been good in major leagues over the last few years. I know Watson was had a, had a bad 2019, but you know, other than that, has been good. Kinsler um, has been a reliable-ish closer over the last two seasons. So both of those he's guys... Been, he's been reliable, not yeah. really-ish. He's been pretty solid the last two years. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think they probably make the team. I, I don't know who will be the Marlins. Um, the Marlins bullpen strategy last year, like the key for them making the playoffs, was pretty much just calling up some young starting pitchers and then acquiring Kinsler, and that made them a playoff team in the shortened season last year. Yeah, like those were the huge quote unquote huge acquisitions they made, just yeah. bringing up internal starters and then adding Kinsler to really lock down the bullpen. Yeah, it uh, goes to show that sometimes you don't need to do too much to not have the worst bullpen in Major League history. But, you know, you do. Uh, all right, so something I wanted to talk about, uh, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, like he, he included one of his recent articles about how in 2014, at the trade deadline in 2014, the Marlins were trying to, to acquire – Jake Arrieta from the Cubs. And it it kind of it, Rosenthal didn't outright say that like not including JT Real Muto was the indicator, but he said that the Cubs wanted Real Muto uh more than than anything else, and the Marlins didn't include him, and obviously a deal never happened. Um, so <laughs> had Real Muto been traded for Arietta in 2014, what would the Phillies roster look like now? I think there's a chance it could look the exact same. I don't know how much of an impact this really would have had, but I think it's an interesting thought exercise. So what's your take? Um, I'm trying to imagine if they could have gotten him without trading Real Muto, like add Jake Arrieta's 2015 um, season to the Marlins. I think they had 71 wins that year. He probably had like probably had like a six, seven, eight win season. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, I did not know Johnny was going to be starting this conversation here, but it is an interesting one to have. Like the Phillies could be very affected, but kind of the whole NL East landscape could have been affected if the Marlins were more competitive in 2015. Um, 2016 could have looked a little different. Obviously the Jose Fernandez situation did did change a lot. Uh, you can't really you can't really go too far down the rabbit hole of what would have changed, but adding Arietta to that core of outfielders and Ozuna, Yelich, and Stanton with the rotation with Fernandez and, and Arietta in 2015, like I don't know, could have been a sneaky good team. Maybe they finish around 500, maybe a little better. Yeah, yeah. Uh it's it's interesting. Um like if the Cubs, if the Cubs traded for Real Muto, like Wilson Contreras, when he, I think he came up in sixteen, um, he was ridiculously good, uh, and Real Muto like had a cup of coffee in fourteen, but but didn't start playing a lot till fifteen, and he took a couple seasons to really get in the groove. So I, I think that would have been a really interesting situation to see play out, because I think. Um, you know, the Cubs were putting together kind of a, a, a relevant team. So maybe Real Muto comes in and then he's shipped out the next season. Um, 
it's possible. Um, even if they had Real Muto in 2016, he wouldn't have even Played. finished the World Series because John Lester would only throw to David Ross. So I don't think That's it really true. mattered. That's At least true. in Game Seven. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting to think about having. I don't know. I don't know why they exactly really were set on Real Muto because he's really good. But he they wasn't. Have he wasn't coming. Up. I was. I was looking at like prospect lists from 2014 he was highly ranked within the marlin system but he wasn't like a top 100 prospect in baseball um well, maybe yeah. they kind of saw they what just, they he know, could turn into they just they just snowball like what what can you say about i don't know who the gm was That's at right the time. wasn't it theo yeah yeah theo theo probably knows ball better than either of <laughs> us but uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I always just go back to, like, if the Phillies didn't sign Jake Arrieta to a $75 million deal, they could have used that money so much, many better ways. But also, if Arrieta was on the Marlins in 2015, I feel like the most most likely scenario is he finishes that, like, you know, his, his years under team control with another team. Um, just based on how the Marlins – like, with the, with, are, do we really think the Marlins would have operated differently? If they if they won eighty games in twenty fifteen, would they have operated differently in the coming off seasons and stuff? Um, I'm not exactly sure. There's a lot of different factors that kind of go into that. I'm not. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe though. <laughs> we'll have to see. Listen, listen though. Can we'll you have imagine? To see? <laughs> I don't think we'll. Be can able you to imagine? See. Uh, can you imagine Jake Arrieta's two thousand fifteen pitching in Marlins Park? I'm just trying to imagine Jake Arietta in a Marlins uniform. It was the bright orange. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like a bright orange guy. He doesn't seem like a Miami guy, I don't think. No. No, I don't I don't know. I don't know. He's kind of he's hard to kind of pinpoint yeah. like exactly what kind of guy he would be, I feel like. Yeah. But now he's back. He's back home. Chicago. That's right. That's right. Maybe, maybe going back on that Wrigley Mound will transform him back into the Cy Young contender he once was. Yeah. All right. Uh. Well, what? <laughs> what is what is Philly's Twitter if if Jake Arrieta like has a sub three ERA this year? What if he figures it out? Oh, everyone. I can't imagine people would be happy, but it would certainly be funny. People people do forget that Carlos Santana had his, the best year of his career after the <laughs> Phillies paid a prospect to trade him away. Like, not that J.P. Crawford's been great, but they pretty much. Yeah, you're right. Um, but also, I feel like people would be definitely more miserable than they were with that one. I don't think yeah. Santana well, wasn't because... had a rough first month, but he wasn't completely horrible the whole season with the Phillies or anything yeah. like that. And Arietta, other than maybe the beginning of 2018, 2018 has yeah. not been very good. And I think because of because of some of the things that he's said, you know, kind of blaming other teammates for um, maybe some struggles. Not that he's saying he's pitching bad because of other teammates, but he has criticized Scott Kingery, for example, uh, for positioning and fielding um, in games that – he hasn't pitched exactly too well, and the fact that he makes twenty-five million dollars 
people are not exactly happy with how the Jake area. Yeah, not a not a fan favorite, I would say. Um, no, I think that's probably what would what would what would uh like make Phillies fans more mad? Arietta having a great season, or like Brandon Workman and David Phelps becoming elite closers again, or like not again, like becoming. No, Workman was an elite closer. He was, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Um, Heath Hembry, Heath Hembry, <laughs> having a sub two ERA. <laughs> I think that, like, I think it. Here's what I think. I think if Workman like goes out there and has like a fifty save season or something, people would make a lot of jokes about it. But I think they would be more viscerally angry if Arietta hey, <laughs> an All Star or something like that. I yeah. think they would be like actually super super mad. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's it's interesting how we, how how fans differently root for people. Like everyone, everyone wants Freddie Galvis and Michael Franco to do great, but I guess it's obviously it's all different. It's all different situations. Um, other news: J.C. Romuto, uh probably going to be back in the lineup today. I would imagine uh, he was supposed to Sunday, and then you know, general soreness, so uh, he wasn't. He was removed, and and. Um, it, it does seem like he'll be back for opening day, which is good news for the Phillies. Um, yeah, that's just another potential 40-man roster spot that yeah, they that, would have to make because there's only well, three if, catchers on the 40-man, yeah. and um, two of them are currently hurt. Yeah, what's the deal with Mark Marchand? Is he – oh, like that. when's he supposed to be back? I don't yeah. think – it would not be in not time be opening for day, yeah. opening day, no. I, I think no, he's, he's supposed to be out for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. It would definitely mean another player would have to be cut, or maybe a trade would happen. But um, you know, looks like Real Muto will be will be good to go. Another uh, Phillies hitter tore it up last night. Nope, that's not what I want to say. So another Philly had a good night last night. That was Reese Hoskins. He went three for three, uh, hit a double. He walked. It was vintage Reese Hoskins. Um, he hasn't had a great spring thus far, but. Uh, good to see him. Good for the Phillies, I, I assume, to see him heating up at the right time. Um, and I think this is a conversation we have on the podcast, I feel like, a lot. But Hoskins is consistently undervalued by uh, Phillies fans. Like, whenever I see the, the past couple weeks, whenever I've seen, like, anyone tweet, what are your takes for the upcoming, your hot takes for the upcoming 2020 season? Like, oh, Hoskins, DFA'd in June. What are we doing here? What is going on? He's never had an OPS below 817 in a season. Like, what, what, Ty, tell me, what are we doing here? Um, I think that people underestimate the value of a walk, I would say, and kind of just expect him to hit 50 home runs a year. Like you said, we've had this conversation a million times. He's not going to hit home runs at the pace he did in 2017. But what he is going to do is get on base a lot and provide you some power and be able to hit at the top of your lineup. Like that's that's what he's going to do. Like you said, A17 is the worst OPS of his career. And that was in a season that he provided virtually no value in the second half. And he was still at a solid number overall. Like he he's just going, he's going to be a solid hitter for you basically no matter what. And he didn't look good at the beginning of spring training. He's also coming back from 
a left elbow surgery. So it's going to take a little bit of time to settle in. Like you said, good night from him yesterday. It's good to be able to say good night. Um, the night game yesterday. I'm sick of all the day games. Yo, how, how, I don't know how, how people did this. Like in the before 50s. there were lights. Yeah. Yeah. Before, before know. my guy Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. And then people them like, to be so... and then it took, took them like a hundred years to actually use the light bulb for the purpose of baseball. I don't know what we were doing during that be, time. Nighttime had to be so boring. So boring. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do at night if there's no sports on? Light a candle and read or something. I don't well, know. we have lights now. You can, oh, I thought you meant you can, before there. Well, were but lights. like right now, I guess I guess we kind of got to experience that during the pandemic when there was, or there's still the pandemic, but during the beginning of the pandemic when there were no sports. But now, I mean, the occasional day game, fine, sure. Looks good. But on a Sunday, like, whatever. On a Wednesday, sure. Like, let me watch a, a baseball game during work today. But not every day. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, like, the whole bit Chicago did where they refused to do a night game for, like, 20 years after everyone else had lights. Like, what was that yeah, about? It's kind of embarrassing. It's, yeah, I don't... I, it's dumb. It makes no sense. No, who likes day games? It's hot out. You can get sunburn. There's weird shadows, and the I don't think the players like no. playing in the day generally because a lot of places have shadows that kind of get in the way. The spring training, yeah, it's nice to watch baseball in spring training, but until they start the night games a little bit later in the spring training, that's when you know it's really ramping up because that's actual baseball. That's not. Yeah, that's right. That, night you game, know, that's what it really day is. Day games, day games might not even count. I think. As no, well. it's like it's like little league. Yeah, it is. It really, it, it honestly does kind of feel like that. Um, what's what is your favorite time for a game to start? Seven oh five. So last year they did a lot of the six oh five starts, and I like that. I like six oh five. Um, I don't need. Yeah, I'm kind of in my old age. I do fall asleep earlier now so 605 yeah. isn't the worst <laughs> you're 20 yeah, <laughs> i don't care anyway um no i it's all right not every day not every day a yeah. once in a while 605 yeah. is fine with me but a nighttime game you, like you it needs to be dark out when you finish a game like it has to be it just has to be but anyway we got off topic yeah well yeah i I mean, are we going to not talk about West Coast baseball? Like, that to the dream is, is like, in the summer, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., just watching baseball. In my opinion, there's nothing better. Of course, that has left me tasked with covering every single West Coast game for Phillies Nation this year. So I'm going to regret having said that, like, a thousand times, like I have. So, um, no, it's just not good. I West Coast, West Coast sports are always the best. Turning a game on at 10 p.m. is never not good. A lot. The one thing I'll give you is that a lot of the the NL West Coast stadiums I do really like. So watching games in them, you know, the Dodger stadiums, the it's not AT and T Park anymore, but whatever that one's called, the Giants. I think it's is Oracle. It, is it Oracle now? I, I thought so. Oracle was the Warrior Stadium. Yeah, I think they're both called Oracle. Oh, cool. Well, well, I that one closed actually. Yeah, the yeah. Warriors one. Yeah, I think it's Oracle. Uh, I like that one. I might get hate for this. I kind of like uh, Chase Field. I kind of like it. I see. For me, like I think stadiums, like 
it's cool to go to and see how they're different. It doesn't really, really change my viewing experience um, at all. Like, I'm just watching I mean, baseball. It objectively, like, does change your viewing experience. Not, well, I mean, yeah, in, a, in, a, in an objective sense, yes, it does. But in an, I, I don't know. I, I know what you mean. There. I know what you mean. You don't mind. It I'm just watching. I'm just much. watching baseball. I don't have good peripheral vision, so I'm I'm literally zoned into only the field. I can't see the like, fans. You're like a the... horse, like the blinders. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, that makes sense. You're only watching the baseball. No, nothing else. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, what else is there to watch? Like, oh wow, that dude's Fair drinking enough. a beer. Like, okay, I don't care. Um. So, uh, before we wrap up, hold on. Uh, I let me finish my thought about Hoskins. Yeah, oh. he had a good night. He had he had three hits. One of them was a double. Like you said, he walked, and that that is just like that's a peak Hoskins night. I think you said it earlier, but just adding the walk in there, it really shows like that that's his value. He's gonna get on base, maybe add a little bit of power with that double, and that's what he's gonna do. I'm guessing he's gonna hit in the two spot for most of the season. Yeah. Maybe a couple cleanup here and there. He also had a stolen base, his second of spring training. Some are saying that he is the best base dealer on the team. In, I don't know. In team history, are. I've heard. That's right. He led, he led the team in triples two years ago. He's, I mean, he is objectively not fast, but subjectively. Based on the numbers, I'm not really an eye test guy. I'm a numbers guy. And based on the numbers, we saw speed. Fast. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah, I don't think anyone could disagree with you there. Yeah, definitely um, not. No, he had a good night. I think it is. I think he's going to heat up as we get a little closer to the season, and hopefully, he, hopefully for him, hopefully for the Phillies, uh, he can be a little more locked in, not have to worry about the elbow as much once the actual season starts. And I think if he can hit like he did, even in twenty eighteen, like if he can replicate that twenty eighteen season, I think there's a good chance that this is a really, really, really strong lineup. Yeah. I mean, it was a really strong lineup last year and then, um, you know, everyone knows what happened, but yeah, I think he'll, I think he's primed for a good season because he was playing really well last year and yeah, that's all I have. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Obviously next week we will talk about our takes. Um, Um, No, I don't really have anything else. We'll have a special guest on for you guys next week yeah we'll have a special guest and we'll get into the season preview yeah um and, and this year i promise i won't pick Framil reyes to be the al mvp um i think I, I owe everyone an apology for that because um yeah it wasn't wasn't my best well, it just wasn't my best and and i need to do better and i need to be better but Thanks to everyone for listening to the Phillies Nation podcast. Again, like Ty said, one more episode, and then we're watching baseball. So let's go. Uh, Talk to you guys next week.